here today to hear from you. What we don't need is good music and a good sermon. What we need is the divine God of the universe to encounter our hearts. And so we ask today that you would speak clearly to us and we surrender this time and our hearts to you. And everyone said, amen, you can be seated. Hey, welcome, I'm glad you're here today. Band, thank you so much. What a treat for us. Well, you guys came on the right week. You have no idea. Today is the final week of our stewardship series. And today, calm yourself, we're talking about money <laughs> and tithing and giving and offering. And it's always one of those weeks where when it comes up in the calendar, I'm like, ooh, here we go. Because I know at a church like this, there are people who walk in and today is your first time here. And you got up, and it's nervous when you go to a new church. You're like, oh, there's all these new people wanting to shake hands and tell me where to go and what to do. And then I get there, and of course, the preacher's going to talk about money. And then there's some of us who are like, we're kind of just now getting back into this thing. And we're like, okay, I'm kind of jiving with it. And then, oh, well, here comes this money talk. And then there's other of us who've, who've been coming to church for, for decades, and we, need, we want something new. And it's, it's so funny as a preacher that I need to stand up here and have something fresh that the seeker who comes in on day one would get something, and the person who comes in on year 30 would get something new. And so that's why we need the power of God. I'm not that good. We need God to speak today. And so here's my prayer every week. Because the reality is, um, there's, this, there's, there's churches who this is a bad word, that we shouldn't be a seeker-sensitive church. And there's some people that think we should be. And I want to say this. I want the orchard to be a place where the seeker can come in on day one and get something from God. And the person can come in on year 40 and get something fresh from God. That the entire spectrum that God's spirit is going to speak. And so today, as we talk about finances and God's pattern, I'm praying that he gives us something new for each of us. And if this is your first time and you're engaging with us and you're like, ah, I just want to say this. God is good. And God has something for you. And in every sermon, whether you are a seasoned veteran or, or a rookie in here this morning, the Spirit of God wants to reveal something about His nature to your heart. And it might have nothing to do about money. Some of my favorite sermons, I'll stand up here and talk about one topic, and afterwards they'll say, and then God did this and showed this in my life, and I didn't say anything about it. And that's just God's goodness as he translates these things to your hearts. So that's my prayer this morning. Now, let me just tell you my goal today. My goal is in no way that you would give more money. That's not my goal. That's not between me and you. In fact, I would bet that many of you are amazing givers and generous people. And what we're talking about, what we've been talking about the past four weeks is stewardship and being a steward of the things that God has put in our lives to get right to it, stewardship with our resources is actually something that flows directly out of the vision that the orchard operates on. You know, we have it written on our t-shirts and our walls, love God and love people, but we don't just want it written on our t-shirt, we want it written on our hearts, that we are actually a people who love God deeply and love people. This, this vision comes from a verse in the Bible in the Old Testament and New Testament, and it's actually a prayer that Jesus would have prayed twice a day from the time he could talk. And the prayer goes like this. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all your mind, and your strength. Now God says, Jesus said, that's the most important commandment. 
That's the most important one, that you would love God. And the second commandment is love people. Now, when it says here, love God with all your strength, it's not referring to loving God with just all your muscle fibers. What this means is the strength of your life. Everything that you can bring to bear to leverage for God's kingdom. Loving God with my strength means loving God with how he made me, the strength of my personality, all the resources he gives me, the possessions he gives me, all the strength of my life leveraged for his kingdom. This means I'm loving God above all things with my strength and my resources. So when it says to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, he's talking about things that make us uncomfortable in church. It's so funny because on weeks like this, I just see people go, oh my goodness, we're talking about money in church? Like, let's talk about Levitical skin diseases of the Old Testament. Or, or maybe just let's go through the list of really bad sins. Even that's more fun. Come on, preacher. Oh, but here we are. Here we are in the last week of stewardship. Congratulations. So, the more I love God the way that this verse tells me to, with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, the more I surrender myself to loving God in that way, something happens. And this is what, what should happen is if you were a follower of Jesus, that you would become more like him in the way that you love people. That the more that you surrender and love Jesus, the more that you would become like him, a revolutionary rabbi who loved all people. So the goal is to become more like Jesus. And, and one of the central characteristics of God's nature it's something called generosity. And so the more I become like Jesus, the more generous of a spirit I have. God is the author and champion of generosity. I mean, I mean just sitting here right now with the, with the breath in your lungs and the, and the heartbeat in your chest, with the family or the friends that he's given you, with the, the personality he's given you, with the way he's built into your life, with the life he's granted you, we can walk out and look at the beauty of Mount Sopris, his entire creation and all that's from heaven flows from the generous heart of the creator to us. So think of all the things that he has given you as you sit here. I mean, if we're honest, we have a lot to be thankful for, a lot to be grateful for. We have a very generous God, and, and the more I trust and love him, the more I become like him. And the generosity that flows from the throne of heaven at some point begins to flow from my heart as well as I become more and more like him. Here's an easy illustration. You know, I believe that God is so generous, he uses his measure of generosity. Now, this rickety old snow shovel is all we could get right now, but God uses a big measure. And so he goes into life and he goes, my son, my daughter, and he's measuring out generosity and blessing in your life. And oh, oh, here's, here's a big scoop, because some of you have a bigger scoop than others of personality. And then he goes, oh, and, oh, and here's, here's, some, here's some, oh, and he loves to give good gifts. He's a loving father, a creator, and he loves to pour out blessing on people. And he uses his measure. And at some point, as you are begin to follow him, you, you say, oh, I've been given so much. It's, it's my turn. I want to give back to him. And so you say, aha, nah, he's given me so, oh, thank you. And, and, but here's the truth. It feels good to give. You know why? Because we're created in the image of the creator, and he, he loves to give. So we love to give. And so, oh, this is awesome. And here's what we do. We use the measure that we are comfortable with when it comes to our generosity. That's just naturally how it goes. Oh, I'm going to be generous. I feel good about this because I have so much else I have to do. But I, I have this much margin, so I'll be generous. We use the measure we're comfortable with. 
And that's okay, because we're growing. But as we grow and mature, and as we begin to see that following God, we're following a God who has no scarcity of blessing, who has no scarcity of resources. There's no end to what he has. We begin to trust him more. And we go, oh, oh I, okay. And we, well, I feel like I'm, I want to be more generous as I, as I grow in this. Giving of myself, of my resources, of who I am to the world around me, that they would know the blessing that's been given to me. Given to me. And then, as we continue to grow, I mean, we just, we get, then sometimes we choose a bigger measure. Sometimes we get, we get more comfortable with the measure, but sometimes you're like, oh, no, that's a lot. But I feel like God is asking me, I feel like this, this over here could really use the blessing I have. Ooh, that, I don't know, that's a lot. <laughs> have you ever had one of those moments where you, you stretch yourself out in faith and you are generous beyond what you're comfortable with? And the goal is that as we follow God and we realize that we have a God who, who's not stingy, and as we, we see that, that the life that he, give us, he gives us so much that as we mature and grow, we begin to be comfortable or uncomfortable even with being generous in the measure that he's, he asks us to give, whatever that would be, however that would be. The largest paradigm shift in stewardship is when you realize that all the things that God has poured into your life is not yours. This is the, remember we've talked about this every week. A steward is not an owner. A steward is somebody who manages the, the affairs of an owner. And so I, I get to my life and I say, God, my whole life is yours. Everything is from you. Everything is for you. I am literally a steward of the personality, of the blessings, of the resources, of the talents, of the relationships, of everything in my life. I am a steward of what you have given me. That my, my time... It's not even my time, it's, it's his. I, and I, I want to be a good steward of the days that my creator has given me here on earth. M my talent, he put those in there. He, he, placed, he placed talents and personalities in me. He created me and I'm a steward of those. And then the treasure, remember we say this, it's all God's anyways. I want to be a steward of the resources that he's entrusted in my life. And so when Amy, my wife, feels like we are led to give extra to somebody who's, who's in need over here, we turn to each other and say, it's all God's anyways. It's all God's. Or, or this has happened, we, we, were, we received a, an automobile, and so we have, we're like, well, what should we do with this other one? You know, we could sell it and get the money and do some things with it, but we felt God challenging us just to give it freely. And so we look at each other and go, well, it's all God's anyways. This isn't our car. This is God's car. God, everything we have is yours. You tell us what to do with it. And we hold it open-handed, not white-knuckled, closed-ripped. It's all his anyway. And here's the, here's the thing we've talked about. We don't get to take any of it with us, do we? We can hold on to every resource we have, every talent, every relationship, everything in life we want to control. And at the end of our days, we take none of it with us. And that's why as a steward, we're asked to leverage everything in our life to forward his purposes. Because there comes a day when we'll stand before God and I don't get to stand there with all my stuff. Reminds me of a story. There was a man who earned a really good living. A very wealthy man. And he was very stingy. And it was well beyond stingy. He wasn't wise with his money. He just hoarded it. And, and he got sick. And there on his deathbed, he pulled his wife closer. He said, wife. That's what he called her, I guess. Wife. <laughs> Darling. When I die, I want you to bury my money with me. 
She goes, okay. She looked in his eyes and she said, okay. He passed. And there at the wedding, it was, it was a, a more a wedding. <laughs> wow. At that funeral, <laughs> we get them mixed up all the time. <laughs> At that funeral, <laughs> there's the casket, and you, and you see the, the woman walk up there, the wife, and she somberly goes up there. And her friend watched her. She, she put something there in the casket and then walked along. And her friend said, well, what was that? It was a touching moment. What was that? And she said, well, a promise is a promise. He wanted to be buried with all the money, and so I honored that promise. And she said, how could you do that? I mean, how can you live comfortably? She said, well, I, I, I did what I said I would do, but I should be able to live comfortably unless he can find a way to cash that check wherever he's going. Because <laughs> you can't take any of it with you. You take none of it with you. And as we mature in our faith, not only does the measure that we are generous with mature, but just our, our, our understanding that what is coming into my life, I'm a steward of to leverage for good, for God, for his kingdom, for his purposes. You know, faith calls us to live with his measure and his resources. But fear ensures that I use a measure I'm comfortable with for my purpose. I'm afraid I'm, I have a scarcity that this could all go away, and therefore I will measure and be generous with this. So how do we grow in our maturity? I'm going to be teaching on it, and it's so funny. I combined this, this money talk with some just crazy Old Testament teaching, which is so fun for me. And again, if this is your first time, just please don't leave in the middle because you're going to be very confused because we're going to talk about in the Old Testament like some animal offerings and, 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 and the sheep and, and donkeys and, and just, I'm going somewhere. You know when you see a preacher talking, you're just like, this plane has no landing strip. I promise I will deliver us safely to the landing strip at the end, okay? The principle we're going to talk about today predates Moses, predates Abraham. It's, it's, it's all throughout the Bible if you have the eyes to see. It's the principle of first. The principle of first. And, and just to start off with, if God's not first in our life, we're already spiritually out of alignment. And if my finances, if my resources don't have God first, then I'm out of biblical alignment. And so Robert Morris opened up this teaching to me years ago, and it starts deep in the Old Testament. So in the eyes of God, we're going to see that first is important. And therefore, if it's important to him, we should know about this. So with that said, let's dive deep into the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 13. Verse 1, the Lord said to Moses, Dedicate and set apart to me every firstborn male. The firstborn offspring of every wound belongs to me whether human or animal. I mean, it starts off, he's talking about animals and, and humans. If it's the firstborn, it, it's mine. That firstborn lamb, it's mine. Firstborn donkey, it's mine. Firstborn kid, it's mine. They belong to me. He iterates this, reiterates this over and over, and then in verse 12 he says, he, he does it again, You're about, you are to give the Lord the firstborn of every, of every womb. Every male of your livestock belongs to the Lord. The firstborn, and he goes on to say this. this is, stick with me. Redeem with the lamb... Every firstborn donkey. Mm, just let that sink in. That's good stuff, isn't it? Amen? <laughs> he clarifies this. He says, listen, when you have a donkey, you must redeem it with a lamb. If not, kill it. What he's saying here is, if you don't redeem it, you lose it. 
Now, the word redeem means to compensate for some things' faults or to have a payment that covers and compensates for their faults. And so redemption, it, it compensates and covers those things. The donkey needed to be redeemed by something that could, could, could compensate for its faults, something that could make a payment to make it clear. So if you have a donkey, you redeem it with a lamb. That should, that, those, these are rules I live my life by. If I have a lamb and a donkey, I know what to do. <laughs> In their society, there are animals that are clean and unclean. Now the lamb was clean in their society. It was clean, and so you would sacrifice it. The donkey, it was unclean, and so it needed to be redeemed. And so we have these different kinds of animals, and, and, and this is so wild, isn't it? I mean, here we are talking about stewardship and ownership and, and finances, and we are in the midst of talking about clean and unclean. But let's push forward. Because everything, we, we, what we want to say is, this is so outdated. This makes no sense. And I just want to remind you that I believe everything in this book, everything in here points to Jesus. I believe everything in here points us to him. And so even on this first part as we work through this, we have here, if you have a firstborn that is from a clean animal, you must sacrifice it. If it's unclean, it must be redeemed. I believe this points to Jesus too. You see, you and I were born in need of a Savior. I've had children. I didn't have to teach them how to be selfish. They were highly equipped with that way before I was ready to know, know that. We are all in need of a Savior. We need to be redeemed. And so God sent his firstborn lamb, fully clean, to die as a sacrifice that we could be redeemed. The clean had to be sacrificed so the unclean could be redeemed. This is the principle, is why Jesus gave his life for us. Now, what God is talking about with Moses in Exodus 13, the firstborn, the firstborn being set apart is a principle in the Bible called the principle of first fruits. God called those people at that time to give the first fruits of their livestock to him. But as you begin to see the principle of first, you can read through here and begin to see the principle of first is all throughout, all throughout here. It jumps off the page. They, they go into the promised land and they, they conquered the first. The first city was to be completely given to God. The first of their crops, the firstborn of their children, and, and so on and so on and so on. And you begin to see the first of God. The first is set apart. It's dedicated. The, the principle of first fruits is that whatever was first in their life was given to God. And I believe this principle has not passed away. And I believe that this is a practice that we still participate in. That God calls me to give the first fruits of my life in every way. He tells his people that the first of everything, that's to be devoted and set apart to me. Now, this principle is loaded. It comes loaded with the requirement for faith. The principle of first requires faith. If it was the principle of last, it'd be easy. I wait until I was done with everything else and then give whatever's left over. But when it's the principle of the first, I have to start there. I don't know what's coming. And in faith, I step out. The principle of first requires faith. He didn't say to his people in this time, you know, if you wait till you have 10 lambs, and then give me whatever one you're comfortable with. Give me the runt. When you have 10, then just pick one to give me. What he said was, when you have that first one, give me that one. We have no idea what's coming behind it. Dedicate it and set apart to me. Now, 
it's not only loaded with a need for faith, it's loaded with the blessing. Because remember, that firstborn, that first dedication was the redemption portion for the rest of it. It redeemed it, it consecrated it, it set it apart. So the first would redeem the rest, and there's the blessing. Bring me the first, and the rest is blessed. Bring me the first, and the rest is best. And this is why my wife and I, Amy, we live according to the first fruits before we even pay our bills. We live on this and stand on this that we, we give from the first and the rest is best. What we don't want to do is pay our bills, pay our groceries, all our stuff, all our costs. And then whatever we have left over after all of that, we go, well, this, 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 this is yours, God. That's the principle of leftovers. Leftovers is not the, the result of gratitude and it requires zero faith. God has always called his people to step out in faith and give from the first. Bring me the first, and the rest is blessed. There's a blessing in this. To go beyond that, um, we, think of the, we think of all the, this portion as ours. But if you remember back to verse 1, it says, it belongs to me. It belongs to me. He claims ownership of it, which is another reminder to my heart. That's all God's anyways. Everything in my life, it's God's anyways. And here's, here's what challenged me. If that first portion, if that first fruits isn't mine and it's his, when I spend that, whose am I spending? Because the first portion is the redemptive portion. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with all your first fruits of your increase. Honor him. Exodus 23, 19. Bring the best of the first fruits of the house of the Lord. Now notice it says bring. Why does he use the word bring here and so often other places? He doesn't say Give. When it comes to the first portion, he never says, give me. He says, bring. Do you know why? It's not mine. It doesn't belong to me. I don't give it to him. It wasn't mine to give. I'm bringing to him what belongs to him, that first portion. Now, if you're like me, you're here listening to this sermon, and you have all the experience of your past, good and bad, when it comes to church, and preachers on TV saying, you know, put your hand on the screen and give me money. I know there's a lot to fight through in this. I know there could be some uncomfortability in these things. And we, and we like to find, I like to find loopholes in this. Like, like this is, God, this is Old Testament stuff. It's sheep. It's donkeys. This is the, this is the law. And, and, I, and so I want to go back to a time before there was even a Hebrew, before there was any law, before Israel was even a nation. Go back to the original intent. And so we find in Genesis 4, right at the beginning, there's an account of Cain and Abel. Now, Cain and Abel are two brothers. And these two brothers, they're the sons of Adam and Eve, and they bring their offerings to God. Both of them individually bring their offerings. And one of them is pleasing to God. And one of them is rejected by God. And the question has always been, now why did God receive Abel's offering and give him favor? And why did he reject Cain's offering? But once you understand the principle of first, it leaps off the page. Genesis 4, 3 and 5. In the course of time, Cain brought some fruits, some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to God. But Abel brought the first and the best of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. You know, here in these verses, some things jump off the page. Let's look at the language first. Verse 3. In the course of time, Cain brought. This means as time progressed. Just over time. When Cain had the free time to do it. He, when, it, when he got around to it. In the course of time, Cain brought some fruits. 
some fruits. When he had the time, when he had the margin, Cain would bring what he had. In verse 4 we read, Abel brought an offering. It was the first and the best. Abel brings the first. Cain brings the leftovers. Over the process of time, Cain brought leftovers. What it could say here is Cain gave what he wanted whenever he wanted. He used his own measure when he had margin when he wanted to. And guess what? We see how God looked at that. Cain's offering was out of like maybe a religious duty. That's not how God wants us to give either. Abel's offering was the best, the first. And I say it came out of faith because you always give the first out of faith. He gave of the first that he had without knowing what would come behind it. I know in my life, I know in my life when I wait until everything else is paid and then bring God my leftovers, I know at that moment, that's when I'm struggling and I'm putting my faith in my resources instead of my faith in the resourcer. Because I need this to go as far as I need it to go and my faith is right here in my resources instead of the one who's resourcing me. Amy and I have been led to give out of our first fruits and this means we give before any taxes are given or taken out. Now, I don't know if you know this, but our, our government is not interested in blessing your finances. It's shocking revelations here at the Orchard 10 service. <laughs> no, no. If we bring the first fruits, it requires faith. Because again, if I go home and pay my mortgage and then some groceries and clothes and then my kids, it shrinks fast. And, and before I know it, I have this little bit left over and it's it's date and night. Well, God, here's what I have. Thank you. Here's the leftover. The law of the leftover. The principle of leftover. And that's how Cain lived. Another reason Amy and I live in the principle of first fruits is that my mortgage lender, and they are great, does not possess the power to bless my finances. Remember, the principle of the first fruits is this. Give the first, and the rest is blessed. And here's how I simplify that with my kids. With Elijah, if, you know, at $10, I have 10 $1 bills. The first is the first one to leave his hand. And so I said, buddy, we, you give the first, and the rest of this goes farther. It is blessed. And I, I live that way. We've experienced that. And based on God's word, we see that. And, and here's the deal. Again, this morning, I'm praying for, for this time that God would, would move and translate this. Because this is not easy to sit in a church and hear these things. And what's interesting to me when it comes to money and how we think of it, in any other room than this one, it's more comfortable to talk about. And in fact, we're, we're okay asking God to bless so many things, aren't we? God, bless my family. God, give us traveling mercies and bless my trip. God, uh, bless my food. But have you ever asked God to bless your finances? And I mean more than a Hail Mary, like, God, you gotta come through on this. I mean, like, God, I pray you bless my finances. You know, what's interesting is God has given us a roadmap, the principle of first. And that verse that, that we get our, our vision from, the love God with all your strength, that, that he's, he's made us stewards of what he's entrusted to us. There is a blessed way to live that is not the pattern of the culture we see. God is not shy in how he talks about money or how he talks about how he wants to bless people. Malachi 3.10, God says this, bring me the whole tithe, and he says, test me in this. Test me, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, you won't be able to store it. Now, 
That's a promise from God. But let me just tell you what it's not saying. It is not prosperity gospel. I don't believe that just because you give, God's going to make you rich. Jesus himself said he had no place to lay his head. I, I am wealthy in all the ways that matter most to me in life. And money is not on that list. God's blessings go in so many different ways. And so when he says, see what I'll do, I don't know what that, I don't, that's up to him how he chooses to bless. I'm not going to stand up here and say, if you give, here's what happens. That's up to him. But he's not shy about talking about how he blesses. This is the only place in the Bible he says, test me in this. Test me. See what happens. So we finish in Exodus 13. God has just instructed Moses on the why and the how to redeem the unclean and, and the animals and the firstborn. And he says, if you do this, if you live like this, people will notice. And you know who's going to notice? Your kids are going to notice. Your kids are going to notice. They, they're going to see how you steward and know what's most important to you. It's always said, you can tell me what you value most, but show me your calendar and your bank statement, and I'll know what you value most. And so as your kids are watching us and as they're watching how we handle this thing, he says in Exodus 13, he says, if you live this way, it says this, in the future your son will ask you, what does this mean? What is he referring to? Right before this, he gave us all the instructions on the laws and principles of first. Daddy, why do we do this? You can imagine this, these ancient people. They have their land, they have their herd. That's their income. That's their livelihood. And so the son runs in, runs in and says, Dad, Dad, the new you, she's having, she's having a lamb. She's having it. And so the dad jumps up and they run out there and it's the miracle of life right there in their little, their little pen. And, and a new lamb is added. Their increase, their income has, has gotten bigger because that one lamb will go on to have many lambs. But dad doesn't put it with the other flock. This is the firstborn to this you and he brings it and offers it to God, and the little boy and little girl are watching. And you can imagine, years later, the son walks into his dad's office. He says, Dad, I, I need to talk to you about something. It's going to be difficult. Um, I've been going over the books here for the family business, and uh, you might not know that you do this as much as you do, but um, every time an animal has a firstborn, you, you offer it to God. And Dad, that was 21 lambs last year. And 24 the year before. Dad, I don't know if you know this, but we're in the ranching business. And uh, that's really cutting into our profits. And it says in Exodus 13 and, 14, 13, 14 and 15, when your child asks you that, here's what you tell them. Sit down, son. There's something about our family you don't know. You see, son, we weren't always in the ranching business. Son, there was a time we didn't have any animals. In fact, we didn't have any land. There was a time where we were slaves. We were in bondage. But God, with his mighty hand, delivered us. And therefore, son, in gratitude, we always give God the first. Because we're grateful and because he asked us to. Now, my son has already come and talked to me about this, but someday my daughter will come talk to me. Salem will come and say, Daddy, why do, we, why do you give that away? And I'll have opportunity to say, Salem, come here, sweetie. There's something about your mommy and daddy you don't know. 
You see, we were not always like we are now. And there was a time when your daddy was in bondage, when I was a slave. But God, through Jesus, brought me to freedom. By his powerful hand, rescued me. And out of gratitude, we give him the first of everything. Because he asked and because we're so grateful. Elijah and I had this conversation this very January. Not in reference to this. In fact, my son is saving up, he was saving up for a $160 Lego set. Wow. Remember those? I remember that back when they were a quarter. It's a $160 Lego set. My son asked us to print off a picture of the set that he wanted. And he put it on his wall above his bed. And he would, go up, he would come down and go, Daddy, will you come upstairs in my room and gaze at it with me? true. And I would go, yeah. And we'd go get there and we'd get on the bed. We're sitting on the bed looking at it. And I, <laughs> we would just look at it. And he goes, wow. What's your favorite part? And so I would, you know, pick out, like right here where the, oh yeah, daddy, I love that. I can't wait till that's, I get to get it. He's saving up. In fact, we had a, one of those like fundraising things with a thermometer and you color it in. And we would color it in. It was on the wall too. And he was saving up. That is such big money for a six-year-old. For any year old. So, so first fruits and tithing is something that we talk about as a family. They have a little tithe jar, you know, and it's part of it. And this, but this last time, this big one, um, we got to watch Elijah work through something. You see, when, when, the, when the issue of, of first fruits and tithing came up, this is the first time he's had like a, something you, you're saving up for. And there's a total. And, and the first thing he said is he just flat out refused. He said, no, it's my money. Now, I know we never say these things. This is just children. Adults were way past this. He goes, no, it's my money. I got it. He says, I, want, I, I get to do what I want to do with it. It's not yours. And it's not even God's. It's mine. And God can't make me spend it, and you can't make me spend it. Our son's not independent at all. So, so we let him process. We would talk about it. Buddy, we're not going to make you do anything, and neither is God. And we'd pray for him. We would pray that God would, 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 would move in his heart. And he knows the truth. And so he came back, and he said, um, he finally just said, I, I can't tithe, Daddy. I can't give my money because if I do, it'll take me longer to get it. And I know none of us deal with this either. Like we're saving up for something and, well, I'll, I'm not going to, I'm just, I'm, gonna, I, I'm saving up for, insert whatever your Lego set is in life. We didn't force him. Prayed for him, led him to truth. And finally he came back and he, he, he had the barter system that we've all, we've all done this. He came back and he said, okay, I figured it out, Dad. I'm going to save up, buy the Lego set. And then after I get the Lego set, I'll tithe with what's left over. Ah. And, which is so common. Let me just take care of all my things. And then, then after all that's taken care of, then, then, I'll, then I'll do the principle of the leftovers. We didn't force him. He knows the truth. It was difficult for him. And through all that, we, we lead him, but we don't force him. Because God doesn't force us. God will never force you. Elijah today brought his $20 bill in. 
because he got 200. He got, them, he got the money. He got, the, he got it all. And he brought it in today. And he is going to give his 20, which is from the, the big number. He's excited about it. But what Elijah didn't know, because God arrested my attention. As I watched this whole thing unfold, God said, pay attention to Elijah. And I always know, like, okay, that you're going to teach me something about myself. What Elijah didn't know, what he didn't know when it was so hard for him, he didn't know that Amy and I already had the Lego set. He, he didn't know that we were already helping him get that number. He didn't know we're going to cover taxes. He didn't know what taxes are. Could you imagine if he knew it costed more than it said on the paper? <laughs> oh, man, it's going to be a rude awakening. As his mom and dad, we love him. We knew the desires of his heart. We had good things in store for him. But he couldn't see these things from his perspective. And as I watched it unfold before my eyes, God said, my son, I want you to watch this. Because what is happening in your son Elijah right now is what happens in your heart and in the heart of many of my children. And as I was watching Elijah go through this and just the angst of all this God was saying, just like Elijah, he said, you, my son, have no idea what I have in store for you. He's talking to me. You have no idea what I've already got for you. You have no idea what I hold in the future for you. What you're hanging on to out of fear and out of scarcity, but you have no idea. He goes, I, I do have an idea. I have good things for you. And God, through that process of watching my son, called me out in a new way to trust him. And the bottom line is this. God doesn't want or need your money. He doesn't have any use for your money. But he wants your heart. And Jesus himself said, where your treasure is, there your heart is. And it's so closely connected. That's why it's so hard to separate these things. And that's why in a service like this, oh, we feel that heartburn. Because sometimes our treasure is revealed where our heart is. And our heart is revealed by where our treasure is. See, in the reality, we have a good father who loves us and calls us to a new way. He doesn't need our money. He wants our hearts. This is not a money issue. It's a faith issue. And I'll be honest, this isn't a me and you issue. I'm up here talking now, but I'm not asking you for anything. I'm asking you for nothing. It's, it's, this is not a horizontal thing. It's not between us. So how do we respond to this stuff? This is, this is a struggle. We can all say, ugh, this is a struggle for us in some way. The first thing we want to remember as we end this stewardship series is that it's all God's anyways. I don't take any of it with me when I leave. None of it. And God has asked us to be stewards of the talents and treasures and time we have to leverage it in life so that other people see redemption and know him. That we love God and love people in such a way that they know and love him. That, that, that we don't give our first fruits out of any religious duty. He's not interested in that. That we don't give out of glum obligation. That we give out of a heart of gratitude because, because, because I used to be like this. But God, God changed me and blesses me. And I want to begin to, to use the measure that he calls me to use as I'm generous. And so today as we end this, we end it with this thought. It goes back to the beginning. The clean had to be redeemed. I'm sorry. The unclean had to be redeemed by the clean. 
And so as we go into communion, the symbol of Jesus' broken body and shed blood, this was the redemption price for your soul. It was not given lightly. It wasn't the principle of leftovers. He gave his first completely to open a way for us to have salvation, to know the Father in a new way. And as you would come and take and sit with the symbol of God's sacrifice, the first thing we say is thank you. Thank you for your sacrifice. Gratitude is the first step. And then I pray God engages how he wants to engage in your life. Let me pray for us. Jesus, this is, a, this is just a sermon of surrender. And so I ask in your kindness, you would show us where we refuse to surrender our heart. We thank you so much that you gave everything for us. I pray you would speak to us. In, in the name of Jesus, we rebuke any condemnation in this place. Your word is clear. There is zero, zip, zilch condemnation in Jesus. So if anyone's feeling it, that's not of God. Put that aside. Your Father loves you. He has good things for you. Let's worship.